Amen. Thank you, Jill. And thanks to all the kids and parents who made that wonderful thing happen, uh, how fun that was to see. And uh, I commended I Trevor um, because I felt like he embodied a classic Bible shepherd better than maybe anyone I've ever seen. So well done to Trevor on that. Um, all right. Today, I'd like you to turn your Bible to Psalm 32. We're going to start there. And just as we get our hearts ready for the Christmas season, I thought it would be helpful to review a little bit of why we celebrate what the blessing of Christmas actually is. And then we're going to continue on in the series that we're in the midst of, Blessings at Home, just talk about how some of the principles of the things that we believe apply to our lives in our households, at our homes, with our families and close friends and extended families, not just here in kind of the formal church environment. Uh, but before we get all into that, I'd like to read Psalm 32 with you. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. You think about our lives without forgiveness, without some sort of hope or second chance, ends up in a place of just personal turmoil, right? Shame, guilt, struggle, darkness, sin, and you can start thinking through how those, all, how those things affect your life, pride and greed and lust, and say, I, I just, if, if, if that's all I am, it just tears me up inside. And if there's no way out, if there's no way to be cleansed from all of that, that, that guilt and that shame just continues to grow throughout life. And in many ways, when Jesus came to the world, that was the condition of the world. Um, it still is the condition of the world apart from Jesus, right? That we, we understand that forgiveness and hope and a future are possible. There's a way out of sin. There's a way out of all this angst and anguish and guilt and shame, not by our own reform in our own lives, but because Jesus came. So when the angels appeared to the shepherds and said, hey, the news for the whole world, the good news is that there's now a new path forward for life. So this psalm, I think, embodies that good news. Look at how the psalmist, once he confesses his sins, he feels God's forgiveness. Here's what he says in verse 5. He says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they might not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless mule or horse or mule, that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. What Jesus came to do 
was to make that new life and that fresh start possible for every one of us as individuals and as families and households. And so when we talk about the blessings that God gives to us, we can't go past the fact that all is based on what Jesus made possible when he came to this world. So you kind of look over at the manger scene and you think about Jesus there and um, Jesus you know, coming as a human being. He was God. He didn't have to do that, but he loved us. He decided to do that. He came. He offered to show us the way of life by living as one of us uh, and then ultimately gave his life as a sacrifice I don't think Jill meant to do this, but you tossed a lamb there in the manger, kind of a good symbol of that sacrifice that Jesus came to be uh, for us, uh, and so that, so that we could actually have the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing that the psalm talks about applied to us, uh, not just on earth for a temporary amount of time, but literally for eternity, uh, your soul can be free and your guilt and your sin can be washed away. That's true because of what Jesus did. It's kind of the ultimate Christmas. Jesus himself would come. By the way, is that distracting? Should I switch to a different microphone or are we okay? What do you think? I'll just keep talking unless somebody brings me something else, but I'm okay with it if you are. We'll, uh, I'll just talk nice and loud. Um, so first question I wanted to ask today is how do family and church mix together for you? And can you think of any examples? So I was thinking about how in my in my life, in my family, um, I sort of mix these words up. I have my nuclear family, obviously, people I live with. Then I've got my extended family, but I also have all of you, my church family. And Melissa and I were talking the other day about how because our extended families live far away, her family's in Iowa, my family is in Ohio, uh, you know, it's just not every day that we all get to connect and have sort of that warm extended family fellowship. Um, and so where do we get that? Well, we get that from our church family. And Melissa said, you know, I'm so grateful for BCBC because it feels like they are our family. And I agree with her. And hopefully a lot of you agree with that as well about from kind of from your perspective that this church family is kind of like an extended household of faith. Uh, and so it's not just that we meet together and it's not just that we believe similar things or that we occasionally work together on projects. It's that we're actually connected together as a spiritual family. Um, and, that, and so to me, when I think about that question, man, family and church, they mix together in a thousand different ways. Some of you act essentially like grandparents to some of my kids. Uh, some of you act like brothers and sisters to Melissa and I. Uh, sometimes you're coming through for us in things that you would expect it would just be family with, that would do that for each other, but we're doing it for one another as a church family. And I think that's such a neat aspect of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that you're not just following Jesus sort of as an individual, you're plugged into this wider community. And in our whole series here about blessings at home, we've been talking about how in the New Testament, the word for church was a gathering in some instances, but the other word used was household. Uh, and, and so you, you, you have this sense that we're not just doing church right now. In fact, you could just say this is almost like the, I don't know, kind of the pep rally or something for church, but church, as we actually understand what it means to live like Jesus, that happens not just here, that happens everywhere we go, and especially in our homes, in our households of faith kind of like mini churches all around the area. Uh, so that's an interesting question to think through. Maybe over lunch you could think about that and just say, hey, how has our church family acted as our own family at different times in life? 
It's pretty neat to kind of recount that thought. All right, now the blessings God can give you and your household this Christmas, there are three that I want to share with you just by way of encouragement today. So do you want to open them, find out what they are? So we understand there's, this, there's kind of this overarching blessing of what Jesus has done and the fact that we all get to be together, but specifically, and in your home, in your life, I think these blessings are available if you want them. The first one comes right out of the psalm we just read, and that is the blessing of guidance. So I don't know guidance was a blessing. Sometimes I don't like taking advice from people. Well, I mean, advice, it kind of depends on who's asking, or it depends on who's giving the advice and whether you ask for it, right? It's not always, advice isn't always interpreted as a blessing. But, I, but here's how I'm thinking of it. If God, the creator of the universe, the smartest entity out there, is willing to give me advice, I'm going to call that a blessing, right? Because God doesn't have to pay any attention to me or to you, but the fact that he's interested in us, he cares about us, and he's willing to give us a pathway for our lives, say, wow, Lord, thank you. Like, I don't deserve that. Hence, it's a blessing. So God says in Psalm 32, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. You just imagine God like lovingly looking at you saying, I, I want to give you the best pathway forward. Now, you still have the option of saying, no, I want to do it my way. God says, well, here's the best way. You could reject that and try to do it yourself, or you could say, you know what? God is willing to bless me to make decisions. Of course, I want to take advantage of that. Of course, I want to call that a blessing and live his way. Uh, So when I think about how you might apply that or how you could think of that, I think about that Christmas train going around the tree. The train, if it doesn't have a track to run on, very quickly crashes. Right? So some trains um, require the track to actually power them. Other trains, maybe you stick a battery in it and it's going to chug along wherever it goes, but the track actually is how it was built to go in a direction that's going to make sense for it. If you take it off the track and you stick it on your kitchen floor or something, what happens to the train? I mean, it might chug for a second, it's going to crash and fall apart, and it's not going to work. When it, a train only works when it's on track. And and I think about the guidance that God is willing to give us is kind of like the track for our lives. And and he is willing to lay the track in front of us. He is willing to guide us the direction we're supposed to go, if we're willing, uh, to say, Lord, I'll I'll listen to you and stay on that track. All right, so how would you open the gift of guidance in your life? Maybe you'd say, hey, our family is kind of new to this stuff. We really haven't thought of God that way in our household. It hasn't been that personal. Um, here's a first step. Here's how you might think of it. Include God in our decisions via prayer and Bible reading, personally and together. Okay, so really, you could say this is like Christianity 101, that, uh, that if you say, I want to get to know God and I want to understand what he wants me to do, or he wa- I want to understand what our family is supposed to do, you open up the Bible, because that's God speaking to you, and then you pray. That's you speaking to God. And you say, Lord, would you help me find the right track forward in life? Would you guide me and God will give you that blessing if your heart is open to it okay so that's one out of three the blessings that are available to you and your household if you want them uh, from God here's the second one the blessing of priorities now the Bible says uh, seek the kingdom of God above all else it's a top priority and live righteously and he will give you everything you need 
which is a really amazing promise because God didn't just promise the priority, like the prioritization. He also gave the provision for you to live that way. Think, well, why, is, why are priorities a blessing? Like, why would we say that this is a gift God is, will, is, is going to give us? I mean, I think all of us kind of enjoy setting our own priorities, right? Well, here's, here's why. I was thinking about the toy aisle at the store, thinking about how initially your eyes get big and you go, that looks like a lot of fun. Okay, but then what happens if you're an adult or if you're a teen that's now trying to pay your own bills? Um, see, when you're a kid, you look at that and that looks like a tremendous amount of fun. But what does it look like to the rest of us? A tremendous amount of money, right? Oh boy, I can't possibly buy all of that. Uh, in fact, looking at some of the brand names there in the front row, I don't even know if I could buy that at all. Like that, some of that stuff's really, really expensive. And so if I'm going to face all of those choices, it would actually be really helpful if someone would tell me how to prioritize amidst so many options. Now, some people call this choice paralysis where if you're faced with so many possible things you could do, it actually means you can't do anything at all, right? You know, some of us face this when we're trying to find a movie to watch. You know, you could spend like an hour looking for what movie you want to watch, and then you look at your, you, you realize, oh, wait a minute, I don't have enough time to watch a movie now because I just spent all my time with so many choices, whereas if someone had given you the priority, hey, watch this one, it actually would have been a blessing in disguise there. So when I look at all the choices available in our lives, all the things that we could do, all the things we could care about, all the things we could pursue, it's actually really helpful that Jesus comes along and says, you know what? The world is going to worry about all that stuff, but not you. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I will take care of you. So the, the blessing is that God actually outlines for you what matters the most in your life. So he lays down the tracks. He also tells you, like, here's, what, here's what's going to make the most sense if you want your life to add up in the right way. If you want your life to be filled with purpose, follow me toward that purpose. So you say, well, how would I kind of unwrap the gift of priorities from God? Uh, here's, here's one way you might do it. As a family, you could say, well, we're going to choose the kingdom as our top focus in life, and then align all other priorities around it. That's simple. To say, Lord, I recognize there's a lot of things I could live for. There's a lot of things that I could put as number one in my heart, in my life, a lot of things I could give by the best of my time and my money to, throw all my talent into. There's a lot of things out there to pursue. But Lord, I'm going to choose to put your kingdom, your purposes, as the number one thing in my heart and my life. And then I'll let all the other priorities I have align themselves to that. So what's beautiful about that is it's something we continue to walk in. It's not like a one-day decision and then you're done with it. But once you decide to put the kingdom first, the walk, the direction of your life changes in a dramatic way. So you might just ask, like, Lord, what are your priorities for me? What would living for the kingdom look like in my life or as a family together here and now? What would that mean for us? I know in my own household, for Melissa and I, this has meant a lot of decisions that on the outside wouldn't have made sense. Uh, sometimes when I review, they still don't make sense from a human perspective of, like, why would you prioritize one thing and not do something else? Why would you say yes to this and no to that? But when you put the kingdom first, it helps you in a world filled with choices 
to make the right choice, to make the choice that will count the most. So we say, Lord, thank you for blessing me with some priorities, with, with not just a track, not just guidance along the decisions of life, I get that too, but thank you for helping me understand what matters the most. And then here's the third blessing. There's lots of blessings God will give you, but here's the last one that we'll talk about today. The blessing of presence, the other kind of presence. Um, in John 1.14, it says of Jesus that the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Jesus came down from heaven and was present with us. We'll talk about it later this season, but Emmanuel, a name for Jesus, means God with us. So God literally is a part of our lives. Now that verse, you know, you're kind of thinking this broad sense of like God being with humanity. Okay, that's true. But now let's go down a level deeper and a little bit more personal. Jesus said to a particular church in the book of Revelation, a church that was off track, a church that wasn't prioritized correctly, and they weren't really living for Christ in their, the way that they were operating, he gave them this invitation. I think it's such a beautiful picture of Jesus' presence and his willingness to be close to us. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Isn't that amazing? Like that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with you in your household. That, that he would be a part of things. That, that he would be right there around the dinner table with the rest of you. That, that he, would be, he would be the guest staying there. He would be maybe not even called a guest, but just a family member. Just like he calls a family member in his house, we also can call him a family member in our house. So we say, Lord, thank you for being willing to be close. Like God could, if you think about it, God could have created the world and just got some good spin going on the earth and sent it out into the universe and let us all off on our own. He could have done that, but he didn't. Instead, he chooses to be nearby, to care about you and me in a personal way, to be a part of our lives. Now, he'll, he, know, he is everywhere anyway, so like he knows what's going on in your life, but there's this aspect of you have to invite him in if you want his sort of living, dynamic presence with you. If you want to know he's there, you open the door, and he becomes such a close part of your life. I think about this, this painting as just kind of a great illustration of what it might be happening for you right now, um, where the option is there. You could have Jesus come in and be close to you. You just have to decide, is that, am, I, am I ready to take that step? So how do we kind of unwrap and open the gift of presence? Uh, well, invite Jesus into the front door of your life and invite him into your family. I realize it's kind of a metaphor, right? I say, well, how do I do that? I can't see Jesus physically. Um, it might start with just praying something that sounds kind of like this, where you would say, Lord, I realize that I've been living my own way. And for most of my life so far, I've been doing what I want to do without a lot of reference to you. Lord, today I'm inviting you in to be a part of the story. I'm inviting you in to be close. Lord, would you, would you show me what that means? Would you help me walk with you in my life? It's just kind of, just, just, so you're just talking to God about what you want to see happen. Or maybe with your family together, you say, Lord, as a family, even though individually we're Christians, we really haven't been a Christian family. 
We, we want to follow you together. So, Lord, we want to invite you in to our house uh, to be a part of the story that happens there. So, in a world without direction, God is willing to give you guidance. In a world with too many choices, God is willing to offer you priorities. And in a world of disconnection and a lot of times loneliness and sadness, God is willing to be present. He is present with you. So I think those are some amazing blessings, right? Really just the start of a really long list we could make of what God offers to us as his children. It's amazing how much grace God has dished out upon us, right? But I look at these and say, you know, as we head into the holiday season here, it's a great opportunity. I always think of, you know, the holidays help us focus on Jesus and then right on the next, what's the next step? New Year helps us think about what comes next, where are we going from here? So you kind of take this opportunity and say, Lord, I, I want my life to be on track. I want it to be prioritized correctly in a way that will add up to what matters. And I want to be near to you. I, I want my life to be close to your life. Uh, so Lord, would you be a part of my holiday time here? Would you be a part of my plans for New Year's? Um, and would you help me to walk with you on into the future? There's so many more blessings to unlock um, as you listen to God, as you follow God, and as you take advantage of the incredible gift that he is offering to you. Uh, so for some of us in the room, say, you know, I need that reminder and I want to keep walking the way I'm walking. For other people in the room, you might say, you know, I honestly have not been a Jesus follower, and I have honestly not been, like my life really hasn't been about God. Um, so for you, I would say, oh, if that's you, don't, don't keep waiting. I mean, the best life, remember the psalm we read, your best pathway for life, God is there ready to give that to you, to invite you onto that pathway. Uh, it just starts with you opening your heart to him. So let's pray, and uh, let's ask for God's help as we take those steps. Lord Jesus, you have given us so much already. The fact that you were willing to come to this world, uh, as, as our kids demonstrated for us up here on the stage, uh, that you were willing to come and offer good news, uh, we're, we're so thankful for that. We know that that is true of, for all of us in a very corporate, big picture sense, but it's also true for us very personally as individuals and as families. So I pray that you would help us today to see your guidance, your priorities, your presence as amazing blessings that you offer to each one of us who has an open and willing heart. And Lord, I pray that my heart would be that way and that the heart of my brothers and sisters and friends here in the room, that all of us would be open and listening to what you want to say and willing to answer the door when you knock. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll continue on next week. Until then, Merry Christmas.